Hello, everybody. I am Nathan Grayson, and welcome to another episode of Aftermath Hours, our weekly podcast. I am joined by Chris Person. Hey, I'm Chris Person. And Riley McLeod. I'm Riley McLeod. And yeah, we're here to talk about the week's gaming news, of which there has been quite a lot, especially in the past like 48 hours or so. <laughs> yeah. Things really ramped up. Um, before that, though, because I, I, I've wanted to like, you know, have a little kind of lead in segment for a while. And initially I was just like, how are people doing? And they'd be like, I have no idea. And that was a difficult question. So I've decided that I'm just going to grill you individually oh, no. each week. Um, Chris, you went on a vacation. How I, was it? I did. I went to the Virgin Islands. It was fine. It was really nice there. Um, it was also like a really weird place to go because it's not very walkable. Um, I've been to a couple of places in like uh, the Caribbean and uh, of them, like it's funny when you go to a place and it's like ostensibly British and they don't use the British pound. Like ah. in Bermuda, I went to Bermuda as well and Bermuda has the same fucked up weird little vibe bermuda is also like not in the caribbean actually but i've been to jamaica as well but um and these are both places that people do money crimes in that are also <laughs> that also have beautiful beaches and uh horrible tourists that go there but uh you know i went with my family it was nice uh i got to see the crashing waves um but yeah uh, i think in the case of bermuda like they have their own currency that's pegged to the dollar that nobody uses because everyone just uses dollars and uh, in the case of uh, Tortola, where I was, which I found out later was like right next to Little St. James, because I forgot where Little St. James actually was, the little Epstein Island. Uh, and I was like, oh, I could have I said hi. Uh, could have swung could have swung by and said hi to Stephen Hawking or something. Uh, Jelaine Maxwell <laughs> ran a half marathon in prison or something. I saw some did, article about did that. Did she? You know what? I mean, you, know what busy. you know what? Good for her. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> how you really. pronounce her name, so if I pronounce Gil her name. Jelaine. I think Ghislaine. Um But yeah, other than that, it was just uh, nice to take a week off and not be in a cold place. Um, and that's yeah. basically all I did. I was, I was like on the beach or like looking at stuff and then uh, hanging out with my family and my girlfriend. That sounds wonderful. It does. Yeah. And I can definitely imagine how nice it was to uh, not be online for a week. Was, at least not be as online. No, I was online. I was fucking posting about like coffee <laughs> machines and shit. I didn't, I, cause I was also, we were also like, it's not a very walkable place, unfortunately. Like just in, in cabs on Twitter on your phone. Yeah. No, I, we're just, we're going up like, it's a very mountainous island. And so it's like a lot of like very precarious switchbacks. It's like, um, why was movie? this the ideal posting environment for you exactly? <laughs> no, it's just because like, uh, you know, I wasn't like walking around and enjoying things. I was like either like in cars or trapped in buildings or at okay. a beach or something like that. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's there's I don't know. I like this was a family vacation. You know, they're older. They would like they wanted us to all like go to get somewhere together. It's not my ideal choice to go put someplace where I can't like go to the store. But um, but I love them and they're my family. So I went with them. It was nice. We just like, you know, hung out and looked at the ocean and stuff. Yeah. But I was still online because well, they had they had internet. Like they have internet yeah, everywhere. Wait, what wild. were you um what were you inspired to post about in such a beautiful setting? Did it change your posting? No. It's exactly the <laughs> same. I was doing the same bullshit. Uh except I was just like taking a break and then like reading and then like looking at the ocean and it was nice. Yeah, that sounds magnificent. Um well you know, now that you've had that palate cleanser of being away from it all, but still posting, um, 
now we can talk about very online things from the comfort of our respective rooms, just like we always do. Um, hopefully, you know, renewed and refreshed. So, um, the kind of, you know, top of the hour, not even top of the hour, the, the news that like is most, uh, I think on people's minds right now, um, because it's been like a day of, I guess just a lot of this happening coincidentally. Like, I don't really know why we've had three of these. Um, but today, three different studios have effectively like in, in Gearbox's case, it seems like they're being sold to other studios, Saber Interactive and, um, wait, I'm blanking on the other one. Toys Saber. Toys for Bob. Yeah. Toys Saber for Bob. Toys is for Bob. There, yeah. 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 So Saber and Toys for Bob both basically bought their own independence. Um, Saber was owned by Embracer. Toys for Bob was owned by Activision slash Microsoft. Um, they are now both fully independent as a result of buying their way out of their ownership, uh, which, you know, is good in both of those cases because Embracer has obviously been laying off tons and tons of people. Um, Activision just had mass layoffs as well that hit Toys for Bob pretty hard. So it seems like the best option for both of these companies is to sort of resume being their own independent shops. And especially in this day and age where all of these big publishers are, you know, just slashing and burning, uh, in general, it seems like it might be the preferable option. A, a relatable choice, uh, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> this means we're getting a pandemonium sequel. <laughs> I don't know why they both happened on the same day. That's, I know that we're in sort of like companies reporting their Q4 earnings time and so maybe it's all i think a lot of this stuff has to do with that kind of thing but i, I imagine it's just just kind of happened that way but I, I have no idea toys for bob is an interesting company because like obviously they made star control which like star control 2 is one of the best games ever made uh like adjusted for inflation you know like it's one of the funniest written games ever like in history i forget they didn't have anything to do with tar star control 3 right or was there a star um, control 3 i remember there was something like that and it was bad. I just remember there's like two is like one of the I played two so many times. It's like one of it's a beautiful piece of game design. And then they made a bunch of weird games like The Horde, The Unholy War. And then the rest of their career is like, we're working on Skylanders. We're working on Call right. of Duty. We're working on Crash Bandicoot. You know, it's like as the fate of many developers. And I would just like to see them make something of their own if they can. Yeah, they absolutely. did do the Spyro well, remake. Like, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're good developers. Yeah, definitely. Well, also, like, wasn't because I mean, I know that they like got stuck on Skylanders for a while, but wasn't that like their series to begin with? Like, didn't they create that and then sort of in so doing create like that that phenomenon that occurred very briefly where like Skylanders was massive? I guess I, you know what it is. You know, you're right. I'm sorry, I forgot about the entire lineage of Skylanders because it's like. It's not something I'm ever interested in. I know it's huge. <laughs> you mean you're not a child? I'm not a you're baby. Not yeah, eight no, I years mean, old. I, I guess. I guess like they. It's just wait. Wait. Hold on. They. They made. They made a little witching mischiefs. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm looking at their like Wikipedia, and they made like a strange Japanese release or something. Oh, because uh, they uh, used assets. See. Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway, I, uh, what I'm saying is I love Star Control. Um, let's see. Drew in chat is asking a question that I wish I knew the answer to, which is, um, yeah. are the studios that were acquired under Saber staying under Saber? That is a good um, question. I would, I would assume so. I'm trying to look at it. Because that's like, you know, part of their whole portfolio at this point. I don't know that being independent would mean that those studios like scatter to the, to the winds like Dragon Balls or something. Though that would be really funny. We've got to like go around and recollect all of them. So anyway, um, this seems like the beginning 
possible beginning of a trend. I wouldn't be shocked to see more studios do this. And on that note, uh, it seemed for a moment like that's what Gearbox was going to do too. So in Gearbox's case, things are a little bit different in that um, Gearbox is apparently being sold, according to this report from Kotaku. Ethan um, Getch. Ethan. Yeah. We love Ethan. Yeah, he was speaking of being back from, well, he wasn't on vacation. He was on parental leave. I think but, he's still on. Um, he he's might, back. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's blogging. Yeah. He's, he's blogging. Well, he's been running a newsletter um, as well, which you should all subscribe to. It's yeah, we, we, we love Ethan. We do. We do, in fact. Um, but yeah, so Gearbox is seemingly being sold. Um, it's unclear to whom. We're going to find that out, I think, in the near future. Um, but yeah, I, I remember like I was talking to somebody that I know at Gearbox over the holidays. And even then they were like, yeah, so it seems like either we're going to get sold or um, we're going to, you know, buy ourselves, basically. And like, you know, I, I think in a situation like that, Buying yourselves is preferable from a freedom standpoint, but Gearbox used to be independent. And I, I think that probably at the scale they're operating, they want some more backing. But I mean, it, it is an interesting prospect because like, you know, right now, all of these big publishers, again, are like having layoffs, trying to cost cut, trying to become quote unquote more efficient or whatever. And then apparently one of them or somebody is buying Gearbox. And you got to wonder which one it is. And if it's one of those companies that just had a bunch of mass layoffs. And so in one moment, they're like, goodbye to a thousand of you. And then the next, oh, yeah, by the way, we're acquiring this massive studio. I mean, I think we we see that kind of thing. A lot. We were just talking about this this week at Aftermath, you know, that I think I think as a normal person, when I think about money, I think, you know, I will save some money by cutting my, you know, Netflix subscription or whatever. But that's just not how companies think. Because I think I also feel the same way where you see like these layoffs and then you see them spend a ton of money. And it's like, wouldn't wouldn't have not having done this been a better decision? But like, it's it's a mystery. Um, I did want to yeah. echo in the chat for people who are listening on the podcast that um, according to Windows Central, um, we, Saber, Jason told Windows Central that... Um, most, but not all, studios that Saber owns would be going with them, but the specifics weren't clear. So, unclear. Um, mm -hmm. I do, you know, I don't think it's, it's like, your brain always, uh, whenever you recognize any patterns, attempts to say, like, this is a trend, uh, because it's, it's comforting. Uh, I don't know how much of that is the case. Uh, I don't know how much certainty or, like, you could really pull from anything happening right now in the game industry. I do think, though, that like in the case of stuff Embracer owned, like it's going to be I, I think that's going to be a little more common because they just like bought everything up and then like, OK, well, now what do we do with it? Uh, I guess you guys can have it or sell it for pocket change. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that that's going to be a lot more of a viable thing, but also like the supposed protection of a larger company. That's like not convincing anymore. Like the idea that like somebody's going to buy you and then you're going to be fine is like at that point, why even bother? You know what I mean? At that point, run lean independently rather than like every time Microsoft or some fucking company that owns you needs to like make a good fiscal quarter, they have to dump you. At least you're doing it with guys, you know, at least they're firing you. <laughs> at least it's a small business uh, liquidating its staff. Yeah, and writing its letter where it's like, you know, we're sorry. Uh, this was really hard for us, oh. the people who were doing the firing. You should feel bad for us in particular. I do. Um, I do think it's healthier ish relative, but I mean, like, who knows? I don't know. Like, it's. I think. I think 
it doesn't make sense to have all the same companies in like one big bundle. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. think I don't think yeah. consolidation is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, unconsolidate. By unconsolidate. Like, that is... would be sick if we could. Yeah. Maybe maybe Toys for Bob makes Pandemonium two, and it's like the Shantae of 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 like <laughs> of the PS six era. Who knows? I mean, but I guess the trade off is, you know, as as we've learned, like, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to run a company. And as we're seeing production costs balloon, like, I think I'm sure that it's not just easy to say, we'll just do it ourselves. You know, where do you, of course, where do you no, get that I'm money? Not... And Microsoft can take its money away at any time, but it also like can give you money. Right. So I, I, I get it. You know, I guess, yeah, I guess the, I mean, the supposed benefits aren't as like, yeah, sure. I guess is my main, my main point there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, this is also why, like, I, I think that a company like Gearbox chooses to sell um, instead of buying its own freedom. Because, like, you know, again, they operate at this massive AAA scale. I'm sure people expect Borderlands 4 to be, like, you know, a next-gen game or whatever. And they, they need money to do that. They need a lot of money to do that. And I'm sure they could try to get it from investors and whatnot. But investment in, has in dried up. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's just not a very good bet. And so, like, when you're at that scale, I don't think you really have a choice. But I am interested to see, like, because my guess is, you know, if Saber has all these companies under them, their plan is probably to become more of, like, a, a mid-sized publisher, um, like they had been previously. And that's interesting to me, because I think that we're hitting this point where all of these other publishers are realizing that massive, massive AAA productions are not sustainable. And a lot of companies are like, okay, how do we get budgets down? And some are like, well, we make these, you know, more mid-sized games or smaller games. And then, like, you know, we still have nice production values, but the games themselves are not these either massive 100-hour open-world things or, you know, hopefully they're not, you know, live service games that are meant to be everything for everyone. I mean, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Those have started failing in ways that I think probably other companies are taking note of, but it takes time for these trends to reverberate. In any case, I do think that if we see more of these kind of more mid-sized publishers start to emerge again, that could lead to a hopefully healthier and more populated and less consolidated industry. I mean, I yeah. guess I, if, if, yeah. if, if nothing's getting funded, who it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? On some level, like those sort of like lower middle tier games seem to be not getting the kind of funding they need, you know, like, uh, what was it? De Gouda Fabrique like closed mm -hmm. recently, you know, and they made sports friends and I love sports friends, you know, and like in lieu of all this, I would like more like ball trow size, uh, games out there you know what i mean like the, these like little tiny breakouts that aren't 60 dollars to happen and i feel like yeah. the one possible thing i mean minus the whole funding thing is that like those seem to do well when they hit if they hit and like you don't have the the urging like being owned by someone big means like you're doing triple a development triple a development is expensive so maybe the solution is at lower level asset generation i don't know man like it's it's it seems it seems complicated. It mm. seems complicated, but I would hope that it's not all just in the service of the consoles. Because I think there's like there's something to be said about, and maybe this is a good transition to other topics, or maybe not. But like, there's something to be said about. I think like the the right sized game. You know, every game doesn't have to be this hundred hour thing that you need. You know, an expensive graphics card to run. Um, and I feel like, yeah, there's there's a space for these sort of. I feel like I was just playing a game like this, where I was like, oh, this is like a. A, a mid-tier game and it was like very pleasurable to be like this isn't this is gonna suck up my whole life this is great like doing my thing you know for every big indie breakout like there's a million games that sort of come and go or do fine but aren't enough to you know support your life and sort of what what is that you know what is that model 
But it's good for us too as people because I think that all of us like I don't want another freaking two hundred hour game necessarily. Like I, <laughs> I, I have know. one I'm playing right now. Yeah, like, exactly yeah. one. <laughs> that is exactly yeah. until uh, whatever that Team Ninja game comes out, and then also Dragon's Dogma, and then also the Elden Ring DLC. It's a year of games <laughs> that are really long, but they're spaced yeah. out, so it's fine. Um, right. I don't know. I also think I you were talking about this because we were both buying GPUs right now. And it's yeah. like <laughs> the last the last GPU generation. I watch a lot of uh, gamers Nexus who are like my favorite guys who test graphics cards along with like graphics cards. The, the website is also quite good. So, you know, like in terms of like <laughs> graphics card news. And it's like the last like since COVID, like the whole 40 series generation has just been one big wet fart of like, yeah. <laughs> people getting fucked over by because of crypto and now people getting fucked over because of AI and NVIDIA posting record profits despite not putting out a terribly good product. I saw that. And- I saw their profits right after I bought my 4060, which as we were discussing before we started and which I blogged about, I'm disappointed. And NVIDIA is like record profits. And I was like, screw you. Yeah. Is they're doing like, like, <laughs> like enterprise shit for guys who want to like yeah. make horrible videos and like boil, boil like a great lake every time they need to to make like a, a, a video of a panda doing like wearing bling uh no it's 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 really like i think there's going to be a realignment happening in the gpu space again i think it was saved by uh ai in a weird way i, I think that like they were uh, maybe this is extend positing too much but i think like the whole thing was like gpus were expensive because of crypto and now like the thing that is like gpus are like fine they're like kind of msrp price now but like consumer grade ones aren't the thing that are making them money you know what i mean and so i wonder what happens when like people are like man it's fine you know like i don't need to run chat gpt that much all the time or i don't like you know like when the wall finally hits which it seems like they keep kicking the can down the road a little bit but like it feels like it's gotten closer like what that happens and it also just feels like nobody else has money you know what i mean like as a result of interest rates as a, you know what i mean like nobody has yeah. money consumers don't have money consumers don't care about as gpus as much i don't know it's, it seems to be like nobody like gives a shit about like the bleeding edge as much anymore I, I again this is all anecdotal for me but i also see a lot of playstation's PS5 specifically and Xbox is going for like not a lot of money on marketplace because I think people are like, I don't fucking play this thing that often. Um, And yeah, again, maybe that's just like an anecdotal thing that doesn't really track, but it it feels like nobody has money and nobody wants to talk about it. It feels like the economy is in a really bad place and nobody wants to talk about it or acknowledge (laughs) it. They keep telling us it's good, which I don't. They keep telling us it's (laughs) fucking good and it's just like every sign feels really bad. But I mean, it's felt bad since COVID. You know what I mean? And now it's just it, it, it continues to feel fake in new ways. And it, it feels like there's a huge correction that's happening, but nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure that we'll all be fine, <laughs> I say nervously. Uh, um, small business owners. Yeah, exactly. The people who are least vulnerable in cases like this, where we're going to come out of this with so much money. Business math is weird. Business math is, is yeah, business math is not like regular people math, a thing that I constantly uh, no. struggle with. <laughs> um, but on the topic of video games, uh, one thing I am curious about in terms of, you know, us talking about these different scales of game development and production, again, companies sort of buying their own independence. As we transition into an era where probably games are made differently and probably just like we don't have quite so many AAA blockbusters that are made for three hundred million or more dollars um, because that seems untenable. I wonder how much Helldivers Two costs to make. He has like 
Hey, if I'm Sony or a company like that, and I see the success of Helldivers 2, I'm like, we need to do that again a hundred million times. Um, <laughs> More I'm live service. That game did not cost $300 million. I'm guessing that game cost, you know, 80 or 100 maybe. Something that like these companies would now consider to be an appropriate doable scale. And so like, yeah, it's technically live service, but like those elements are not really that present in the design. They're not really that like central to the way that it unfolds. The fun of it is not really in like, like yeah, you acquire stuff, you acquire better gear, but you can do that through leveling too. And it's beloved. It's a massive viral hit, both in terms of the mechanics of it that people really enjoy and the overall like narrative and theme and tone and vibe. Like that's a game where if I'm somebody like Sony, I'm like, hey, we actually had one of the breakout hits like for the past, you know, handful of months or whatever. All the major breakout hits have been indie games. They've been things like Lethal Company, Power World is indie ish, those sorts of things. And then finally, one of the big companies had one after a bunch of kind of high profile failures like Suicide Squad. So I, I think that all these companies now are like, one of us did that. So all of us can probably do that. But I, I mean, that mm, also just means we're going to get a bunch of Helldivers clones, probably. Right. It'll be not very good. Ghost of Tsushima seemed like it ran pretty lean, is my understanding, but I didn't get confirmation on those numbers. Like, it seemed like a pretty lean game to develop. But I also think that, like, yeah, you're going to see more of this, like, slightly cheaper to make games. Like, you know, people accounting for the cost of the thing going into it. I, I, I think that, like... Because of like things like Unreal Engine, it's going to be easier to like, I don't know. I, I think a lot about um, the Exit 8, which is like a game that like looks really good, but it was made by like like maybe like a handful of people or one person. Because, but it's because it's on Unreal Engine, it's like an easy game to scale and sell for $4. But like it has all the little bells and whistles on it. So it like looks quote unquote nice. You know what I mean? And I think you're going to see a lot of games very intentionally scaled that way. Maybe maybe an Unreal Um I don't know. How do you how do you reconcile like fidelity with that? Like you can't undo fidelity with like the fact that nobody has the money to to, to make those kind of <laughs> fucking games. And I don't know. Well, I mean, also like, and you know, this was a this was a quote from the Insomniac leak. But like, how much do people care about fidelity after a certain point? Like, I mean, I think up to a degree they definitely do. Um, and they're obviously they're they're always going to be wowed by like big leaps in fidelity, but. You know, there's that, again, bit in the Insomniac leak where they were, like, internally saying, hey, you know, we spent so much more on Spider-Man 2, but how many people actually even noticed the graphical leap? Like, did they care? Did they care to the tune of this many hundreds of millions of dollars? And I think that's always a salient question, especially in an age where, you know, there are all these games that come out on Steam that purposefully um, ape, like, graphical styles from the PlayStation 1 era. Yeah. People love that shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there's room for variance in terms of fidelity, especially if you're going with a more stylized look. Um, I think it's harder to pull off when you're a massive AAA studio because people have different different expectations of what a game from you should look like. Um, but there's room to take those steps back and to, you know, ease off in various directions. Yeah, you think about like, I don't know, like Red Dead Redemption 2. I feel like that that fidelity was part of its selling point, you know, which came at great cost to the people who who crunched to make it. And I don't I don't know. I think, yeah, you're probably right that one. I don't know. I can't think of the last game that we heard that kind of talk around. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Starfield. But that was maybe, I don't know if that was fidelity or that was just scale of the bloat. world. But <laughs> Design yeah, bloat. Yeah, it does yeah. seem like a little, but I wonder if that doesn't tie into like we're into a console generation and the problems with graphics cards like there's only so far 
anyone is going to be able to go with you, like, technically speaking, you know? The, the PlayStation 5 looks how it looks, and the game looks how it looks on it, right? Like, yeah, I think you raise a good point. I don't think that it's necessary, but at the same time, you're not going to have... I'm trying to think of a big... I don't know, like a Star Wars or something, like you know people are going to want that to look a certain a certain way or whatever no i i want a star wars game that looks like it should be on the playstation one yeah modern <laughs> Honestly, star wars yeah. all the characters everyone knows but it looks like a ps1 game take me back i mean i wonder if it doesn't become a problem with like like companies moving into these marvel games and wolverine and like or do you kind of if you had this is me thoroughly conjecturing but like if you hit your wagon to a big property do you then have to like raise the bar with how it looks to you know be the gritty reboot like i don't know how suicide squad like looks but i don't imagine it looks like a a comic book you know it looks good i mean it's a good looking game despite the like oh man i always hate like the the like reddit 4chan level comparison or like hell youtube comparison where they'll take like oh god this video annoyed the hell out of me it was like it was a video where somebody was like on the left is Gotham, you know, Arkham rather. And on the right is, is Suicide Squad. And it was like Harley Quinn's ass. And like one of them had oh, like yeah, yeah. all the like, all the like reflections up all, way God. too high and look kind of ugly. But it's the kind of thing a dumb guy would really think is cool because he likes looking <laughs> at a woman's ass when it's covered in rain or something like that. And then the other it was just like, yeah, no, there's, there's like specularity. It's like great looking game. It's just, it's just like the most boring fucking thing that game, like the, the, the most terminal terminal people on yeah. talk about and it's like you don't have to talk about those people like i don't have to talk about those people but it's like i think there's a paranoia around them you know around like what do i what am i even paying for it's like i don't know man what what, what are you paying for like are you the market anymore i mean that's a right. great yeah you know what what are you paying for what is a seven who's paying game who, no, like, or who also knows? who is paying you know what i mean like who is the, sure. the market for games now is it like the the person who just like types angry comments about like franchise properties or is it like somebody playing like Genshin Impact? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that we've seen you know publishers cater in their messaging to the people who type angry comments, um, but then in terms of what they're doing, the actual decisions they're making, um, they seem much more catered around you know normal people because that's how you expand your audience and actually recoup the costs of these massive productions. If you're only catering to that little crowd of angry people online who are very loud, then there's a ceiling and it's quite a low ceiling. People with disposable income at like a certain price point, you know what I mean? Who like, you know, it's, you're not getting children as much. Yeah. That said, um, you know, we're talking about the ways that these companies are pivoting. Um, Drew and chat made a good point, which is that, you know, when EA made its layoff announcement this week, um, they noted that they were canceling Respawn Star Wars game, uh, which is interesting in the context of like, you know, I think this increasingly or this growing like marriage between Hollywood and games, at least a lot more, you know, like licensed games that seem to have these big budgets. Um, but EA specifically said that they are kind of moving away from that and going more in the direction of IP that they own, um, which, you know, makes sense. That's you. You get all the money as opposed to probably giving a very large chunk to the owners of other properties. But yeah, that that is interesting to me. Like, it does seem like we've had this moment of games ballooning or at least AAA games, ballooning to the point where like they got so big that they were about to pop. Now they're like, let air out, let air out of the balloon, quick, 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 quick. But also like, you know, franchises aren't doing terribly well at the box office. Like, you know, fucking Disney's in the toilet, Marvel's in the toilet, Star Wars is kind of in the toilet. And like, you know, even when they weren't in the toilet, like hitching your wagon to that 
was not always a guarantee. Like Guardians of the Galaxy did really poorly despite being a good game that was better written than the movies. You know what I mean? Like there's no guarantee for success for these things. And like now it's just like, oh, okay, is this like a boat anchor? You know what I mean? Is like Midnight Suns, you know, like all of these things that like the number of like franchises that like you're just dealing with a uh, an entire crowd of people who are never going to be satisfied with what you're doing with these characters that they have like invested their lives in. And like, it, you're not going to like, it's going to kind of limit like who wants to play these games on some level. I don't know. I think it's a liability. I think these huge franchises are these weird like liabilities more often than they're not. And I think a lot of people are like, yeah, we don't have to pay money to do that. <laughs> I, it's just, I, I don't think of that many. I can't think of that as many successes aside from like, snap you know like yeah and i mean like that that one is also an interesting outlier and in that like you know the the goal there was never to like make this digital recreation of like this expansive world that these characters exist in it was just let's make a very compact very like focused game yeah built around these characters but like in a way where the game takes center stage the game is what it's about there could be kind of this could be focused around any series really it's just a good game so you know, tying in with that, obviously, EA had its layoffs this week, um, canceled the Star Wars game. Sony also had uh, quite a massive round of layoffs this week. Yeah. Um, canceled yeah. some games as well, closed an entire studio in London. So, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a back and forth week in that way because we had all those layoffs. Then we had all these studios buying their independence um, or, you know, managing to scrape by via getting sold. Yeah, it feels kind of like a like a portrait of the industry as a whole right now in the span of a small handful of days. I mean, we yeah. get this like every increasingly every week. It's like, feels like the layoff show every time we have to podcast or every time I listen to people talk about this, it's like an endless string of like bad times and like people and the London studio, like, man, they, they could have just, they could have been put on something really fun. Like the studio stuff is kind of what they need. They need stuff that's like goofy and fun that people will like, really be committed to i don't know I, I i always get really mad about what sony used to put out you know and like the character that it had and and maybe those weren't successes but i don't know like that those size of games i think it was there was right. there was that image going around of um jim ryan partying with the london studio people God, that was week before was like, and i i looked at that for a long time uh, because like i i want to i want to be an adult and understand that like like all these layoffs are horrible but i also you know business is kind of business i i understand that like you know people are making their choices but like i just don't see how you as a person do that you must know you know you're doing it by a week does before. he know i mean surely <laughs> right because he even said in his message right he's like for months blah 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 so like surely yeah, you had that and like i don't even know how you as like just as a person which he presumably is how do you go and and do that i feel like i would just be like crying in a bathroom stall you know like i don't know how you how you stand there like yeah. that well, you don't do have you a degree do in business i mean that's yeah no, right you, you you weren't turned into a sociopath by your mba yeah um, i mean i've been in this position once where i knew some some people were getting laid off shortly before it happened um and i remember it was horrible and i didn't even have to do it i was just like you know this is like you just you know, were ten, ten minutes into it yeah yeah and i was like oh this is you know this is awful <laughs> and i don't know how you yeah how you just yeah it's just awful to look at and just be like my god what 
what was happening here. I mean, it's 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 one thing to like know, but it's also another to be like go to a party. Like I think that's the other. Yeah, thing. don't I think go to the party. Yeah, <laughs> just be like, snacks. man, I'm like not feeling well. Yeah. I'm you know, don't be like. Yeah, I mean, I've come down with a case of gonna lay all of you off tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, need to I can't look you in this. the eyes, you know, yeah. and then like, yeah, that is really it's. It was a very like lizard person thing to do. I just, I very, just like yeah. he must, he must have. Surely he has feelings. Surely, like, I mean, maybe yeah, I'm of just course, sure, but yeah. Like, it must feel bad, right? Like, but I mean, it's also the classic thing of like, you know. Does business turn people into sociopaths or do sociopaths choose to right. do business? <laughs> it's um, and like, yeah, I mean, I am curious because I think that when all those people are just numbers in a spreadsheet or whatever, it's very easy to just be like, okay, you don't have a job anymore. Neither do you, whatever. I don't care. And even then, like, that's not really Jim Ryan's job. Somebody else does that part and just brings the numbers yeah. to him and he says, okay, go for it. But, you know, then you go and interact with those people face to face. And like, that's totally different. And yeah, I have to imagine that even if you are a very callous individual, your feelings would kick in to a degree there. You'd be like, ah, dang, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of rough. These people seem nice. Feels bad. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe he, I don't know who threw the party. So maybe yeah, per chat, maybe he paid for the party, which would be, you know, quite nice of him. Um, I feel like if it were my party, I would be hard not to be like, oh, take a Tupperware, take some food home. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you... I don't, I don't know how you deal with it. And like, I feel like I fell down a rabbit hole of listening to people who get caught up in these rolling layoffs. And so they audio tape their own layoffs. I don't know if you've seen these on like TikTok and stuff. And like, I have, I have like a little bit of like, I get that, you know, some HR person has to tell you something and there's only so much they can tell you. And there's all this legal stuff involved in these conversations. And so I, I often feel like I listen very closely to like the hitch in their voice. And there's again, like a broken part of me that's like, hmm, this must be like, like you're just doing your job as the HR person laying off, you know, 500 people today or whatever. And, and I get that, but like, yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know how you go to that. I don't know how Jim Ryan goes to that party. If if you were are listening to this and we're at that party, uh, let us please let us, let us know. know. Oh, man, that'd be great. Actually, that'd be yeah. a great party. Was yeah, it's it's so grim. I don't know. And then they always do these things. I mean, we saw that with like you know Vice too, where like they, they always kind of close with like the company and the company will go on. And I'm always like, you know, who is this? Who is this for? <laughs> like, good, well, that, good that, yeah, that was yeah. we saw that yeah. whole like him talking about like we're gonna write the ship, and it's like, dude, there's no ship. The ship's yeah. underwater. <laughs> Stop pretending. Enjoy, enjoy your shit, would, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Enjoy your like. I think there was like, um, like Max Tanny because that's what Max Tanny rep reports on. <laughs> like, um, reported that like there was a leak of like when I think the person in charge of digital came up. Like they had to like stop because people kept doing like the down emojis, yeah. like the thumbs down emojis yeah. on the Zoom yep. call, which is really funny. I mean, I think it's yeah, it's always a delight to watch media company. I mean, this was kind of true at Kotaku, like. There is kind of nothing quite so delightful as an all hands in front of a bunch of journalists. I think it's some of my favorite memories. It's just like you you pay these people to be like this, and they're going to be like this at you, and you yeah, cannot get out tear of you it. To shreds. And like, uh, it's it's so good. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I I think too that like you know all of this is symptomatic of the same larger sickness, which is that a lot of these people who you know. Um, manage these companies and brands are like, well, the thing that matters is the name or the names that we've collected, right. as you wrote about Riley. Yes, and I good think that's segue. True both in media and also to a degree in games as well. That's why these studios get ship of Theseus all the time. Um, you know, at the end of a production, tons of people get laid off, have to find new work, and a lot of the talent 
that made a game what it is leaves and suddenly the next game from the same studio either is not as good or feels really different and it's like yeah because the people who made it are gone it's not the same studio anymore it's just a name yeah it's sad because i think there's a, a beautiful version of that that you see at like studios or websites or whatever where you know i mean i think we, we had this at kotaku a bit where new people come and they learn and they make the thing their own and there's like the healthy good version of that turnover where where a, a brand is some safe place to to land and to learn and and stuff and then there's the horrible like you know we got rid of everyone and hired a bunch of new people for a fraction of the price and now look the thing sucks you know yeah institutional memory imprints on people yeah and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's like you you've like shot so many people out of a cannon that like right. there's no one left to teach the old ways and then you're like you look at a site and you're like oh what is this now i don't know what it is you know what i mean yeah well it's also just like really i mean this actually touches on a story that i published this week um because i did a feature on a studio a new studio from the ashes of volition which is a studio that was shut down by embracer the uh, current <laughs> unfortunate main character of the video game industry <laughs> um and their whole thing is that you know like they 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 have that connection that shared dna with volition um but they're a smaller studio and also like you know regardless even if they managed to hire most of the people who were there they're like yeah that was still volition was still a moment in time it was still a particular group of people working together in a particular way with access to a particular set of resources and series and we don't have that anymore as soon as you scatter that to the winds that thing is lost and like so yeah they can resurrect with a different name and some of the same people. And I think that's really cool. I'm glad that's happening, but you will never have that original thing again. I can't, no think, of, I can't think of a single instance of that happening here on Aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I can't think of a single instance yeah. of that happening Of a bunch of right people now, like in not this very room. People like reforming something similar to, but not the same as for legal reasons, their previous uh, establishment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but we, we would not being able to call it Kotak 2. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. No, yeah, that's and that's obviously not. I mean, you you know, change yeah, change is part of life. Like, you know, like it's it's okay that things if they if things were allowed to live their natural life cycles, I think we would be seeing a, a different landscape broadly, because also, you know, websites close and studios close and things come to an end and like that's that's fine, right? I used to be a practicing Buddhist, like things things change. Um, but instead you have these, you know, abrupt severings and you have you know we just made spider-man 2 and now everyone's laid off like um and that's not the way that you know that's not the way that things should go for me i guess with aftermath i i definitely have a sense a sort of like a sense of like unfinished business you know like like i wasn't done doing launcher you know and so this was a way but it's not kotaku and it's not launcher and it's not motherboard and like you know yeah well i mean i i think that is the big issue in all of this is that these things are not coming to their natural ends. Things, as you said, definitely change. That's just, you know, a byproduct of the passage of time and the way the people evolve over time and stuff like that. When there are these abrupt endings and when that's all there is, and like that's, you know, that's deeply unhealthy. That is a sickness. And it just doesn't allow people to like learn and grow and change in the way they naturally would. It curtails that process. Yeah. And that's a huge bummer to me. And like, again, that also leads to all of this stuff where we lose all this institutional knowledge and history and all these ways that people had already learned to do things. That's a massive waste. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a shame all around. And our, our past launcher colleague, Mikhail, just wrote about this in his, uh, his, his most recent newsletter just today about the Xbox exclusivity stuff and, and 
this lack of like journalists and institutional knowledge in the game space and how that leads to, you know, I'm like badly paraphrasing his argument, but this kind of this 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 inability to talk about it well because you know there's no one to to teach you how to to, to talk about the news well and so like yeah yeah well it also means that and you know i think we've touched on this before it's kind of fitting that i say that uh just repeating discourses right um because <laughs> again we lose all this institutional knowledge yeah. people just have the same conversations over and over and over and they have them oftentimes even worse than they were yeah. had previously and it's just like what are we doing? We're just going in circles constantly. And again, we're not learning or growing or improving things, at least not in a meaningful way that makes them materially better for people. And like that, that's untenable. That what that is, is degradation in slow motion. It looks like the same thing happening, but it's actually things getting worse. Yeah. Anyway, that's a massive bummer. <laughs> Everything's um, getting worse all the time. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a great time to be alive. And yeah. the, we, we couldn't have, but you know, there's the idea of Kotak two for aftermath, uh, for America, it's the fall of Rome too. Uh, so, you know, a lot of great sequels happening it's at going, the moment, going fine. but there's also cool things right. that exist. Good um, let's see, Chris, mm. do you want to talk about final fantasy seven rebirth, the game that we both been playing? Yes. I've been playing like eight or 10 I've never played a Final Fantasy, so I'm just going to sit here and watch you. That's uh, fine. You'll have riffs. A a quick note up front. We're not going to spoil anything major. I Um, think we're just going to talk about it. Structurally, it's hard to, I will say. I think it's like the demo. I was thinking about this. You know, the demo is actually a really bad showcase of the game. Oh, yeah. It's really plot heavy. Well, it's very plot heavy, and it's not showing what the game is doing really well. And what the game is doing really well is um, the parts of Final Fantasy 15 that are good. Okay, I hate Final Fantasy 15. People who know me know I hate fucking Final Fantasy 15. I load that game because it goes from an open world game to a hallway game. And the only good for hallway game in Final Fantasy for me is like 13. You know, like that that trilogy. But yeah, no, it's 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 it it, it closes uh the scope and it does so in a really unfair way. And maybe this game will do that and it will just be Final Fantasy 15 again for me where I'm just like man, there was a really fun open world and now I have to go through like a series of really tedious dungeons. But no, I, I think it's really fun. I think I like this game way more than I expected to because I expected to kind of like it and be like, yeah, this, this is fun. Uh, no, they're having a lot of fun with uh, their own legacy, with interpreting their own legacy. The soundtrack's really good. And it's a lot of like, you're in an open world, you're in a field, you're on a chocobo and like getting crafting stuff. And you're doing all this, like you're doing a lot of Assassin's Creed stuff for some reason. There's like a tower system where like, you go and like it removes the fog of war area so it feels kind of like an ubisoft game in certain ways which is a really weird thing to do to final fantasy yeah that part is um that part is kind of weird to me see i've been having this like weird dissonance in playing it um i've been enjoying it a lot and it's a very like compulsive game to play and that you're just like you know it has that appeal of like one more objective one more like thing on the map but then like at the same time it's this like gloriously realized version of a game world that I've explored before um, with these characters that I adore, but it feels so like, and I think both for better and for worse, it feels very like kind of fake or unnatural or unreal. And that like, even just the way that you move, like it's not smooth. It's very like herky jerky and kind of like wonky. And then like, you know, again, the world is held together by a series of towers. It doesn't feel like a real place. And I don't think it's really trying to that hard. But then when you set that against the fidelity 
of you know the game itself and of the towns and stuff especially it feels like it's trying to do that occasionally and so you get this weird mishmash of like a game that wants to convey a sense of place and be an actual real world and then this very gamey landscape that you know doesn't feel amazing to move through i mean just like okay i I think that this was you know an issue in remake 2 but rebirth because it's set in these open spaces that you've got to clamber up and down and all around and you're constantly changing run speeds and getting on chocobos and getting off chocobos all of the friction is much more palpable Mm -hmm. i i totally agree actually what's funny is so um i'm not sure how far you got um i will say um for people who played the original game this is relevant. The Mithril Mine area I've been through. I'm past that. And I'm sort of in the the, the area, you know, next to the big gun, which everyone knows about. You know, that's this is this is present in Final Fantasy VII. It's nothing new. Um what's funny is that, yeah, because it has to go from a hall, like a like a going down corridors style Final Fantasy game to something closer to like Elden Ring, uh, but like you're still there's still no jump button. It's funny. I don't know when edges are things I can walk off of sometimes. Yep. Like there's oh, this, it drives, me, it drives me insane. This is so funny. We had an entire like three day discourse about like right. yellow, yellow stuff. And I'm going to say it. They need more yellow paint in this game. <laughs> they need the equivalent of yellow paint. There is a part of the mithril mine where you are. Um, there's this like, going to be a small character spoiler, I guess. There's a part where you are with Barrett and Red and it's designed really badly. Because they don't show you like, you know, okay, so when you climb up things in this game, and I think this was present in the previous game, there was like a little blue arrow that would that would point you to like, hey, you can climb up this thing. So even if you don't like see the handholds and actually sometimes it will hide the handholds. It's not all yellow paint. You'll 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 walk around it. But it's like they're dropped down an area. They have to climb up. And then like there's a thing where like it does these like kind of annoying thing where he has to shoot a bunch of crystals and stuff like that. And it's really bad at communicating where the objective is and what you can and cannot climb up. And that part is fucking annoying. I noticed that in the demo. I noticed that in this game. This is like definitely the weakest part of this game. And it's like, I'll figure it out because I fucking played this game or games like this forever. But it's just a weird in-between. And the things mm-hmm. I don't really like about Rebirth uh, and remake for the extension is the in-between thing where like it doesn't feel like it's doing either thing particularly yes, well i agree completely and that's how i feel about the combat in all of these games despite kind of liking it you know what i mean i really i was like yeah that's a way to do turn-based combat but i also could be playing a game with good combat you know i could be playing a game where like i don't have to wait for atb to fill up to do a move i just have to do the move and the input is direct and i think it's more obvious after playing let's be honest a character action game in the mainline final fantasy series that was done with like basically devil may cry level fighting game fidelity like you feel the weight of a game more when you have a like for real character action game that was just the last one you played despite the fact that i think this game holds together and coheres better than that game does yeah it it feels messy you know what i mean It, Mm -hmm. it does feel messy but the things that don't feel messy are the characters or yeah. the way it's written. Like the thing about this game that I'm like really, really loving is that the stuff in remake that sucked was like like the little mini quest sucked. And like I don't really have like buy in on no more bullshit like like Kingdom Hearts <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like the idea of like 
the grand project of Final Fantasy VII involving like uh, Dirge of Cerberus, you know, Crisis Core, like Advent Children, you know, reinterpreting its own big picture lore, never really give a shit about that. It's fine. I know who that's for. It's not for me. It's for somebody else. And I know what that person is like, and I respect them because they are a part of the beautiful tapestry that is the Final Fantasy fan base where everybody hates each other. (laughs) (laughs) The best fucking part of Remake uh, remake was Honeybee Inn. And everything that feels like Honeybee Inn is good in this game. Like anytime you take a very small part of the game, like lore that isn't really significant and you blow it up that's fucking great i want to know about tifa's dad i want to see his cowboy hat and really high fidelity you know i want to see like the weird freaky like chocobo guy you know i want to see what's the fucking the there's a, there's like they're really good at mini games and the mini games in this game are so fucking good like the mini games are really good like the card game they added is fucking great yeah. Yeah, Quincy yeah, M is I fucking wrote an article great. about that for Aftermath.site. Yes, you did. Please read yeah. the article. It's fucking good. And like, also like, the, there's a tactical game that's really good. They, they, the, the piano shit, like all that stuff is really good. And mm-hmm. that's that's what you should be paying attention to. You should be paying attention to small stuff because that's the stuff that's rewarding. Yeah, what's well, also like the main thrust of the game. I mean, you know, this is like a middle chapter in a much larger narrative where I think that, you know, they, there are definitely some significant events that are going to take place in this one. Um, but like the truly climactic stuff, the truly momentous stuff happened in the first game where it set everything up and it's going to happen in the third game where, you know, every, all the shit goes down. And so as a result, and I, I've heard this from other people, like this game, you know, the, the plot is a little bit thin, at least for a, a large stretch of it. And so like, instead it's more about, you know, moving through this big open world and having all these little micro interactions that then create moments where your characters can talk to each other and can, you know, uh, banter and have a good time being in each other's company, which in turn makes you have a good time. Like, I don't think that I particularly love running around like activating towers um, or even like fighting enemies in specific ways so that, you know, I can like collect data on them. These are things that you just kind of have to do around the open world that say you can how you create or complete map objectives. Um, but I'm like hearing my characters talk about stuff while I'm doing it. I think that's really fun. You know, what? you know, who we don't like to hear talk is Chadley. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Man, Chadley, weird. the evil child. Uh, yeah. Little robot the, boy. Yeah. For those who don't know, he's the character who like develops. Um, he, he allows you to like capture summons and he develops materia and stuff like that. Um, if you go around the map and like complete all of his various map dot quests he's he's Um, a little robot boy who was made by hojo and uh who has decided that 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 the shinra corporation is evil but is still a stem major so he's annoying um and he's also got a friend who's also like a girl version of him and they almost which is really weird and no and because it's never really explained or maybe it was in some lore um it is so he says that he created her. She's like some kind of yeah. a construct. Um, but it's so weird because he just spends all of his time hating on her yeah. and being upset that like she did the job that he yes. made her to do. Yes, sexism like, in the in the Are STEM you insecure? World, yeah. Are you sexist? What is your weird? Why is this your whole thing? Well, the other thing is I may have missed that lore because it was coming out of my controller, um, which is uh, you have that a, setting up. No, I turned that setting on, and it is the most annoying thing in the world. Although I did. Thanks to the good people at Remap Radio, figure out that if you turn that setting on, but then turn the controller volume down, you get the best of both worlds. So thank you to the good good folks at uh, at Remap for for that tip. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a weird because like he was in the first game, 
And, you know, they blew up the role that he has as sort of like a general quest giver to include like a lot of time attack stuff, you know, like world Mm -hmm. stuff, like little world. He he becomes sort of like the go to for all the little world objectives. And I just really hate his voice. Um, really don't like how he, he sounds nothing to the voice actor, but it's like they, they needed to make an annoying child character. And so the VA is doing a fantastic job with that, but it's also like, is is just kind of a, yeah, it's an irritating, uh, child, but I like doing his quest. So fuck it. You know, he's, I kind of get yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, and I think that's the other thing is like, you know, there, there's a ton to do. And like, so you're, you're actually already further than me. Cause I spent my time, like I fully, I full cleared. Um, no, the first area. don't do I that. Every you got to blast past it, dude. You have to uh, I mean, blast past the first for the first uh, the mithril cave and then you'll get a bunch of stuff that helps you unlock the first pit part better. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I guess it's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm just I, I'm enjoying it, though. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I like the cadence of it. Um, but there are definitely parts that are a lot better than others. Again, a lot of the map objectives are like ho-hum kind of whatever, as they tend to be in these games. And they're very repetitive. Um, the side quests are really cool. I, I've liked a lot of the side quests a lot. They, you know, take you into fun territory with like characters who aren't like hugely interesting, but they're like interesting enough. And then like, you know, I actually one of the map quests did have a fun setup though. It was the whole thing with like a did you do the bit where like you're chasing around the the those bandits? Yeah. Who, like, who are in the first in. game. Yeah. Those guys are in the first yes. game. And uh yeah. I wanted I was like, okay, so the game has two tracks which are referred to as penis music. Um, <laughs> one is the, um, there's a variant, variant of the Chocobo theme that you hear that sounds like there should be like a, like, damn son, where'd you get this drop behind it? Cause it just has like, it's like farty dubstep and it's so fucking <laughs> it's really fun. Funny. It's so good, dude. And like the music that plays behind those guys has like a weird Japanese rap guy behind it. And it's yep. just like, it's a fucking sick track. And like, that's the fun part that's like the fun bits of it anytime you go to against a queen's gambit uh person it's like there's a guy who cries and there's a the the woman yeah. who has a box fortress there's a box for it um yeah and you just like you have to knock through crash right my through. favorite thing is that uh when you go to play her and i think it's this is true of a bunch of people there's like a little umbrella stand for cloud sword Yep, and he always puts he it in. He always yes, puts it in every play single anyone. play someone, and that is such that's the shit I love is like a yeah. little detail where it's like, well, is he gonna play with the sword on his back? No, he has a little umbrella no, stand for your not. weapon. That's like it's got an elaborate that, that shit's so much fun. And that's what I love. Yeah. I love a small scale RPG. This is why Fallout New Vegas is so good. It's it's the little things. Yeah. Well, and it also like, you know, I, I think in any other game, there'd be even more tension between this kind of like gaminess of the world and like the fidelity of it and the way that these places do, you know, the, you can tell they tried to make the cities feel alive with all of the dialogue that you hear, all the background chatter between various characters. But then at the same time, you have these like elements where it's like, no, this is clearly a video game world like the sword holder, which is just patently ridiculous and only for cloud. And like, I think that the game through all of this dissonance manages to just sort of make it work. It's just like, Eh, fuck it. We're gonna we're gonna do all of this stuff, and like sometimes it'll feel a little bit off, but you're gonna have a good time with it. It's gonna be kind of goofy. It's gonna be kind of weird. We're gonna lean into that. Uh, that. Once was a cat did point out that hip hip hop to Choco was in the original. Yeah, it's it was just, in remake. Yeah, well, yeah. Right, it was in remake, but also, but like, uh, I do think that the version of the Bandit song is slightly different and slightly more aggro than the original. But I could be wrong. <laughs> this is sort of like with Tears of the Kingdom, where everyone's like. Was like, was this in Breath of the Wild? It was, but this version's better. Yeah, which which is the thing. Like, you know, um, you can tell that they learned a lot of res- lessons from Remake. 
you know, they're still like using the same engine and you can see some of the, of the limits of that engine. But like you were saying earlier in Slack, they've made it more fun. They added it- the fun factor is higher. Mm-hmm. They have increased, increased what game developers called the fun factor. And it is it now instead of going from I'm going from and my hair's doing some stuff, you know, you can't <laughs> see it on the podcast. But if you know Game Pro, you know, the five fun factor guy. Um and yeah, even the crafting system is fun. Actually, if you um, are doing the crafting system, please make sure you tag the recipes you need because it makes getting those a lot easier. It will tag it mm. in vendors. It will tell you, hey, you have enough to use this if you are trying to level up your crafting. So yeah, make sure you have a you use your your wanted list. So it's a little tip from the games tips section of aftermath.site. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. It's uh, a fucking fun game. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to like, you know, it feels like the kind of game that I will largely enjoy spending a lot of time in, uh, which I think is worth saying because you could tell in some of the reviews, um, that the reviewers who had to like mainline it, just blast through it, Rough. were feeling some fatigue by the end. They were like, I don't know if I like this game is too long. Um, I don't know if I like hate it or hate its length or hate all of the content in it. Um, they're like, it's really fun, but like, I feel a certain sort of way toward it. And it's like, yeah, because you had to fucking blast through it in like a week or two weeks. And like a thing that I enjoy about working at Aftermath is that I don't need to do that. No, I'm just going to play it at my own pace. My plan is to sort of, you know, approach writing about it the same way that Luke approached writing about the most recent Yakuza. Yeah. Which is, you know, instead of like doing a big all encompassing review, he wrote some smaller pieces that were about more discrete elements. And then he wrote kind of two bigger pieces at the end that were like meant to encompass more of his experience and view the game through a more holistic lens, but that still weren't, weren't reviews. They were just about, you know, big recurring themes in that game. And I think that's a really cool way to cover games um, that, you know, allows you to examine them from a lot of angles. And then more importantly, does not make that fatigue creep in because you're just playing it at your own pace and examining it in your own way. And, and, and yeah. also in this, in the case of both of these games, these are games that do things well on a, on a micro scale. You know what I mean? The macro becomes the important thing ultimately, but the micro is is what you learn stuff from. And I think that's a more instructive thing from a game design perspective to be like, I don't know, I, I always go back to Bioshock Infinite, a game that doesn't hold, hold together well, but has those tiny little micro moments where you're like, yeah, that's something that other people should do, not the rest of the game. You know what I mean? And that's <laughs> how I feel about this game is like having fun interpreting your legacy, having fun fleshing out, even just like, you know, the basic characters you know, the interaction between the characters is much more holistic and much more small scale, which becomes more rewarding. Barrett's a real person. You know, Aerith is a real person. You know, uh, even even just like if you like there's a scene in the in the demo, which people probably played where you can go through Tifa's stuff in your memory. And if you oh, yeah. and if you do both Aerith and Tifa go, you asshole, like in unison. And it's yeah, like, that's fun. Great. You know, they're they're having the little tiny moments that make that rewarding. Like when, you know, they made cloud dressed like a girl, you know, like that shit. That's the good stuff. You know, that's the the, mm-hmm. the good shit. And there's, there's yeah. a lot of good shit in this, despite the fact that I will be tired of it when I'm done with it. Very certainly. Yeah, so definitely. I will be burnt out by yeah. this game. And those little moments make the big operatic moments more impactful um, because you were there for those little moments just chilling out with characters. And then later on, you know, things happen to them. Significant things, maybe bad things. And you're like, wow, 
Now I can't help but flash back to when things were good. It's, you know, the same shit that you do in real life when shit gets bad. I, I think I preemptively burnt myself out being tired of what they were going to do to, like, Tifa's character or, like, any of the, like, retcon stuff of, like, what is reality? What is our own legacy? And now <laughs> I'm like, you guys just have fun. I agree. <laughs> you know, you guys yeah. have a good time. Go play. I it's mean, I, I always enjoy that element because it's just like, I don't know. I, I was also raised on, like, Tetsuya Nomura ridiculousness. I mean, I, I grew up playing Kingdom Hearts games. So I'm like, yeah, go bonkers. Like, I don't care if it makes sense or not. I just want to see how off the wall you get with it. How um, many belts? Yeah. How many belts? It's Can never have too many. This conversation is making me realize that I have no idea what Final Fantasy is about. Like at Crystal, um, crystals. No, I don't want to know. Yeah, I <laughs> I have this thing. I have this thing with Game of Thrones where I've never seen it and I've only seen like parodies of it, and I've decided that forever that's how I'm going to understand it. I will just never know what it really is. And I think that Final Fantasy is going to be. I think it's more fun not to. I thought it's there's a city, and it's. I thought it was a fantasy game, but it isn't. There's the one with the guys in the car. I don't want to know the answer. I, I just. That's want fine. To like, you don't have yeah. to. I want to embrace the mystery. I was that way with the. It's a Wonderful Life for a really long time as a bit, <laughs> where I refused to watch it. It's kind and of fun yeah. to know. Yeah, it's not. It's fun. It's fun. The to version like, of it in my head is a lot of fun. It's fun yeah. to purposefully force a. a a zone in your head where, where it's like blank. This this space left blank in, intentionally. Yeah, that's my that's my contribution to this, to this yeah. conversation. Well, it's also it's fun to like, a, a thing that I enjoy doing that I think everybody does is like living with the mystery of something. Like this yeah. is why, you know, like say you're at a party or you're hanging out with friends and someone is like, yeah, you know, like I think something was some way or like, how did that occur? And like nobody Googles it. Yeah. It's like, huh, oh, well, I think it was like that, but there, there's no need to actually know. Yeah. It is fun to idly speculate. People love to idly speculate. Um, that is why, in part, why social media is kind of a mess is because <laughs> instead of trying to learn the truth of something, people are like, well, I think it probably happened this way. And I'm going to use that supposition as the basis for all of my future arguments. And it's like, well, it's not ideal, but it's what we do. It's what we like doing. But when it's inconsequential, it's fun. I, I'm sure that it served an evolutionary purpose at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. I want to go play more. Uh, I need to figure out more clips for the show. Um, other than that, yeah, it's 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 fun. Uh, I like. Uh, I think the Moogles in this game are C minus tier. I will say my Moogle report. I don't like that they have little little bunny teeth. Um, yeah, kind of funky. Uh, I think Final Fantasy uh, six cover uh, has the A tier one, which is like huge head. Like yeah. no eye, That's no visible eyes. Be. Yeah, it should be a bean. Or like two puffballs stuck together. Like you don't need to overcomplicate it. You don't get, need to give it many features. Yeah. It can have like little tiny eyes I without don't, much detail. I don't like and they look like a teddy bear or a bunny. I think they should yeah. look like a weird bean. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like Square Enix has it right where with chocobos, they don't iterate that much. It's just no. like kind of the same guy every time. And then they feel the need to change Moogles between games for reasons that are unclear to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see. I have no good transition for this one. So I'll just hard transition. Um, another game, Chris, that you've been really into no more. is, and I think I'm pronouncing this right, Balatro. Sure. Uh, I, I, I remembered what it, how to pronounce it. And then I forgot. Didn't they just say, I saw some article, but I didn't read the Yeah, article. there was a yeah. Maddie Myers of polygon.com yeah. did <laughs> oh, a piece on how to pronounce it. That's why I think I'm right. I'm pretty Let's sure it's it Balatro. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That game's the devil. 
uh, it's <laughs> phenomenal. It's 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 yeah, you're good. bad at it. <laughs> yeah, but it is very good. I did almost yeah, very good win game. the first night I buy was I just got really lucky and I kept getting straights and then things that boosted straights and I got all the way to like the final boss of what I believe. I think you have to play eight like go throughs and you yeah. win is that right it's and i hard. got to that last one and then i lost but i lost by like two thousand points or something and i was just like you gotta be freaking kidding me like it's oh, it's yeah. difficult because i will explain what the game is in a second for context but it is also difficult because like things don't map exactly to poker terms and so you're like oh that's basically like a set of three levels or that's a level and those are sub levels anyway this if you do not know is a poker based poker adjacent roguelike uh deck building game uh which means uh it destroyed my life and uh <laughs> for like three days and that was like during times when i really needed to do stuff too which was really funny um yeah it's it's really beautifully made uh the reason i don't have vampire survivors installed on my computer is because i know myself i know i have to like delete it and unbuy it basically to 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 if i'm gonna function because i would just play that game for constantly it's it's just it's like if you have any kind of like compulsive like tick in your brain it's 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 there and i had to do the same thing with this game uh because it's just you're like okay one more G getting your ass kicked is like really really like tempting to, to to go back and do it again um but yeah it is it is a brutal game um it's there's a lot more strategy when you hit like the later end and the endless mode um the only reason i'm satisfied is because i got to the i beat it and then i got endless mode and then like my point scores ended up being like to the power of 11 like it, i had if you if you get like more than like a billion or a trillion it will just start scoring you in exponents um <laughs> and i think the 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 trick i got first off there's like you get Joker cards, which will like so basically to, to explain what the game is. I'm sorry, I, I forgot to do that. Is um, you're basically beating a, a point value each stage, and then there's like three stages. And it's like a small blind, a medium blind, and a large blind, and then you have to like get through all of them. Uh, you can't skip the boss blind, but you can skip the medium and small ones. Uh, that also skips like the ability to buy things between rounds. And then you get jokers, which modify things, and those jokers are pretty crucial in how you build your deck. You can destroy cards, you can create cards, so you can have, like, nothing but kings. And I got a legendary joker pull in one of them, and then I got a card that clones a joker. So it's, like, the one to the right of this, uh, it's the blueprint one, it's one of the most powerful ones. So the one was, like, 2x multiplier for every time you do a king or a queen. And then... It cloned that, so it was like two times two, you know, every time. And then I got one that like re-triggers face cards. So it kept re-triggering the exponent of both of them multiplying the exponent. And then I also got the thing that like uh, makes it so that like hearts and diamonds are the same in, in terms of doing a straight. And then so are clubs and spades, which makes it so that you get like straights constantly. So I would just like get like queen, queen, king, king. You know, and just like night and day, just constantly always just flush, 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 flush. And um, um, and yeah, it just made it beat the game to the point where it was like the number of atoms on Earth. <laughs> and so that was like, good, I'm done. I can stop this. Yeah. So to be clear, because I haven't played this game, um, is it like poker with wacky modifiers? Is that the idea? I mean, I you're know not you're not like playing against other people. 
There's a point value you have to like that is assigned to cards that like scales with like poker values, like one to 10 and then uh, face values are 10 and then it's like 11 and then different hands have different multi base multipliers and points that are then added on to by the value of the card. Those hands can be upgraded so you can get yourself in a situation by chance where like a pair is worth more than a flush uh, just because you've leveled that one up using planet cards. Then there are tarot cards you can get at the store, which do other effects like turn three of these cards into hearts or, you know, create a joker or create two planet cards. And then you get spectral cards. So basically, it's just like you're buffing. You're trying to beat a score. So you're basically just it's like PVE poker. I guess it is a good way to put poker it. poker words, but I think the developer even said that it wasn't based on like poker. Because I, I have found it hard. I thought, oh no, it's a poker game. And I don't it's based poker. on poker hands and it is yeah. cards, and but it is not yeah. itself strictly poker. It is like closer strategically to something like Magic the Gathering where you're considering the composition of your deck. It like starts off as poker and then it becomes a different game halfway through. And then like the way that it treats doing these runs is sort of similar to Vampire Survivors where it's like you can choose a kind of deck that has different modifiers. Like the first one I think is plus one hand per blind and the other one is plus one discord. Uh, the green deck is really good if you're trying to beat stuff because it was like instead of giving you interest, it will give you like a step like more money for the number of leftover hands and discards you have, which means it's just a more consistent ramp uh, and is more synergistic with other cards. You can increase your difficulty. So it's just like like Vampire Survivors, there is a path for them to add stuff to this game like really aggressively I haven't uh, played Vampire Survivors in so long I, mean, I feel like I'm gonna do we're talking about it I'm like I'm gonna play Vampire Survivors I'm I'm gonna gonna you're not gonna Palacio. get anything like, done uh, yeah yeah it'll you know, take over your life I have so much to do um, in my life though but no it is it is like fucking and the, the article I wrote is how fucking dare you how fucking <laughs> dare you I have shit to do Dragon's Dogma 2 is coming out are you fucking with me did we know anything about this? Do we the, yeah, the collective say, conscience? Like, like, I feel like I it suddenly just existed, and maybe yeah, I just yeah. Like, why did this? When, when did this come into being? Like, has like it last did week it just come out and immediately like pop off? Or I think, okay, so I, think just, I, I woke up. I woke up. I mean, I think they probably had some really smart seeding of the of the of the of the game because it seems like people mm. were aware of it when it was coming out. There was but some, I think like, yeah. Some oh, but I think they also just did. They knew what they had. And also, like, everybody I know was just talking about it. And, like, that's the yeah, condition absolutely. in which you sell. You make a million dollars in the first hour of your game coming out. Okay, so chat says, um, I mean, for one, so uh, popular streamer Northern Lion has been playing Yeah, for Northern Lion's been loving um, that. Yeah. Yeah. There was also some hype during the playtest phase. Uh, once as a cat, so uh, there was a Steam Next Fest demo. That That's was it. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't even hear about it during Next Fest. I feel like, but maybe I just I'm not. I don't tend to be in card games. Uh, Northern Lions, uh, you know, good, good, good mutual, and uh, I've been enjoying Northern Lions streams of it. Uh, and uh, the YouTube, uh, in in particular, there uh, the the YouTube streams are just really good. I feel like I've been watching him forever and he's like, he's on my list of like, like as a trans person, it's difficult to watch YouTubers as you might imagine. I feel like he's on my list of like, hasn't ever said anything bad. I've got, there's like three yeah. YouTubers. Yeah, it's just a good guy. Yeah, yeah I'm like, right. You tell him I a trans person, appreciate that he hasn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like, I, I think that that sort of answers the question, but I want to ask it more directly. Like, why did this blow up? Like, what made it be the thing? right now i think it's just it's a it's a it's a matter of design man you know like mm -hmm. at the end of the day i mean you know you can talk because like i think a lot of people will engineer their way into a success you know what i mean but then there are times where you just have all of the right elements and i think this is one of those ones where like 
man, everything was just really perfectly placed. It's like, you know, what's the line in Alien? I admire. He he's talking about how he loves the alien. He's like, I admire its purity. Hmm. Uh, and that's how I feel about it. It's like, it's just, it's devious. It's demonic. It's got, and it's added by the fact that there are these like Joker cards that are really funny. Uh, cause the Jokers all have different, like really beautiful art that was commissioned for each of the Jokers, but also like they're written in, in a fun way that is never too corny and always has a pretty good consideration for what the, the Joker will do in a gameplay perspective. Like the smeared Joker is the one that does the, that melts between the two things you know, between the two suits and and it's it's beautifully it's just like the vague painterly outline of a joker mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's goofy it's fun this is my problem with card games though one of the reasons i'm bad at this game and other card games is i just like i keep not reading the whole card or like i'll get a planet card or whatever and i don't understand it and i'll just like i just want to start clicking things i just want things to happen and so i'll just start doing things and then i'll like I don't know. This is just my way where I'm indignant. I don't understand why something isn't working. And I'm like, you didn't read the freaking like, just take a minute to read the whole piece of text. Like you dumbass. I just, I, I also, it's sort of like vampire survivors where I like when, a, when something is that, that has that level of like pure Skinner box uh, addictiveness costs like less than $20. And I only play for it, pay it once. Cause I had a big problem mm. in COVID with getting back into magic, the gathering. And this is in the same general ballpark except it's costing me way less money Hmm. and like i like that there's no i like that they just made money selling a base game that's destroying my time instead of like selling individual packets of yeah that would be yeah i mean i guess to go back to our conversation earlier if this were a a, you know game made by a big studio that would on you know 100 percent be maybe this is a big studio i don't know but like there's a version of this game that sucks way more because of those like monetization strategies right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Although um, in chat, once as a cat pointed out, like uh, Marvel Snap was like it, it was monetized, but like you don't really you don't really need to like dig deep, that deeply into that stuff. You can just play the game. Also, people who play Marvel Snap are like, man, this is actually really fair. Like they 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 yeah. they go out of their way to make it like like they know what it's like to be trapped in that loop of like they got one on you and you can only play the game if you put more money in it. And I think they intentionally designed it with that involved. I don't know if that's still the case, but you know, and I, I assume so. I a couple of my friends still play it like all the time. Like if there's any downtime and we're all hanging out, they just play against each other in Marvel Snap. <laughs> yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, so I, I assume it's still in a good spot. I mean, maybe folks in chat can answer that question better. Yeah, it had a real, um, had a real moment. Well, I mean, it's also one of those games that had a moment. And then, like, I think it's still having a moment. Just yeah, people aren't I think it's it it's such a weird thing that like what how to move on from. Yes, I feel this pressure a lot as like, but as like a games journalist, I guess I feel like I'm committed to a game, and I just, I sometimes don't know how to like let it go and just be like, it's just time is moving forward, and and like yeah, everyone's talking about Marvel Snap or whatever, and then everybody's not, and like I don't know from a business consideration perspective what that means to like the people who made it, but like. That seems fine to me, you know? But you'd be like, oh, yeah, no one's really yeah. talking about Marvel Snap anymore. And it's just like, yeah, man. Yeah, like, but you, you okay. have your little community. Yeah. Yeah, they're over there. Um, especially a game like Marvel Snap, I think, has quite a large community. Yeah, I and guess. And they're still talking about it. And you sort of, you know, I think, turn a little bit more inward and just spend your time uh, examining what they say and making decisions based on that. Yeah, I guess that must be sort of the, the death of, of games like that if people stop playing it, which I guess is another good thing about Balatro, which I think is how Maddie's supposed to pronounce it, Balatro. Um, yep. 
is, you know, you're not playing against another person. That doesn't have to be someone. I got really into Gwent briefly, but then it was like, you know. I heard the offline version of Gwent was not very good relative to like. Mm, yeah. Or it could have been better. I just, I just wanted to play the game that's in the, in the Witcher. And then I, I'm not very good at card games, like I said before. So I had this very brief window where I got really into the standalone Gwent and I was figuring it out and I was watching the tournaments and everything. And I was like, yeah, I'm a Gwent guy now. This is me. And then they like overhauled a bunch of stuff. And I was like, well, shit. Like now I have to read all the text again. And I don't want to do that because I have a problem. And I was just like, I'm, it's, it's, and now I guess they've kind of found it down, sort of. There's not really Gwent anymore, I think. So. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. Um, I'm sure that the the next Witcher game will contain even bigger, better. Yeah, Gwent, I want in-game so. Gwent. I feel like I, I need to play the. I missed one of the cards or something, and now I'm like, oh, I gotta go back and like, because I hadn't figured out. I think like you and your article about the Final Fantasy card game. I had ignored Gwent in The Witcher for a long time, and then I got into it late, and then there were some things where it was like too late to fix that I hadn't mm-hmm. gotten them all. As I was like, ah, nuts! Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is one thing that I really appreciate about. Um, the card game in Final Fantasy, Queen's Blood, um, is that like, it's very learnable. Mm. Like, I mean, I'm sure that if I tried to start playing it later in the game, I'd get decimated. But, you know, like I wrote about in my piece, like I did not, I still haven't looked at the tutorial. I just, you know, <laughs> sat down and played uh, some matches against one character. And like each time for a, for a minute, I lost a bunch of them. Um, but each time more and more stuff made sense to me. And then I was like, oh yeah, okay, I get this game now. It, it just sort of makes intuitive sense. You were talking about the desire to like just do something. Um, it's a really good game for that. Like, because you just put pieces, you know, on a board and like, it feels good to do and doing so yields obvious results that you can learn from. So you would actually love this game. Yeah. I think. This is like a bad, a bad habit that I have with card games and like i it's i I wrote about this game cobalt quarter day and it's like the same thing where i kept doing things and they would be wrong and i was like if you would just take 10 seconds to like like it's turn-based you have all the time in the world take 10 seconds to read all the cards and look at the situation and make a decision but i'm like no it does this click and then it's just like dude like i have i I have two master's degrees. I can read. Like, I'm capable of, like, reading a small piece of text. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's just video games and the, like, animal part of my video game where I'm like, video games, press, press, press. And, like, <laughs> it's a shame. I am, like, the player that I'm sure designers hate. I, I, I do like that um, that Queen's Blood is, like, very short. Like, it's a yep. very small battlefield. It's kind of like a triple triad in that sense where it's like, oh, you're done. Like, this isn't a long game. It's not too complicated. Right. And, like, that's great. I got shit to do, uh, especially mm-hmm. in a long fucking video game like this. It's, it's just like. But yeah, can we we talk about one of the best features in all the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is that for all those mini games, if at any point you think that you're, you know, not succeeding or you want to try again, you can just restart yep. at any given moment. Yep. Go right back to the beginning. Push of a button loads fast so convenient yeah that's the it's the same for queen's blood it rules i love that it also um yes it's also just a really fun i I don't know i one thing i will will say about the combat that has felt really nice is like the way that they have synergy between characters and the way that you build those the combat in the between those characters feels really fucking nice like it feels like one of my it feels like chrono trigger like where you have those like those attacks that are specific between characters and like that improves the lore of their relationship like to me mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know it's good man no that even that that actually there's a, there's an in-game system for it sometimes when you use your big team up attacks it says like the relationship between these characters has changed 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is a really well, neat and because and, and you know they're leading up to like the the, the golden saucer stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which again, probably my favorite part of Final Fantasy VII. It's like all that weird middle stuff. Like Midgar looks cool. Um, I actually don't begrudge them for making the game they did in that regard in the first one because they were it's sort of like a proof of concept. But like once they got mm-hmm. the systems out of the way, now they get to the fun stuff, which is all the other stuff, the extraneous stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've talked a lot about Final Fantasy VII and other things, <laughs> um, but I think now it is probably time to move on to questions. Mm. Um, folks in chat, if you want to toss anything our way, feel free. In the meantime, I'm going to check our Discord, which I haven't checked yet, so I don't actually know if there are any in there for us. But we're all going to find out together. Can't. And won't that be fun? Is that a question? Yes, it will. <laughs> Let's see. What have we got? Here we go. We do have some questions. Oh, hey, this actually segues perfectly. So I'm going to start here. Uh, Tess F from our Discord asks, what do y'all think are the best video card games or video game card games? I think is what they meant. Mm, I'm going to stick with Gwent, even though... Balatro is pretty good. I just, I'm just very fond of The Witcher, and I'm very fond of Gwent. My, my feelings about it are the best, I guess. I, I'm very pro Gwent. I think that I will have a special, like, place in my heart for Triple Triad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it's because it's like probably the best, like, of those. You know what I mean? I think that's probably up there. Yeah, that was the one in Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, and that part is interesting to me because, like, obviously now in-game card games are a trend and a lot of games do that or some variation on it like even assassin's creed valhalla had like you know a dice game um but back then like it was kind of just triple triad and so it's pretty wild that they nailed it to that degree the triple triad theme also is just so fucking good you know it's i don't go back and listen to it and it's like yeah it's just really fun it's like a weird like it's like it's it's very like hummable What's your answer, Nathan? Um, what is my answer? I mean, well, you know, a big part of the piece that I wrote is that um, I habitually avoid in-game card games for the most part, just because like, I, I feel like they rarely gel with the worlds that they're a part of, even if they're good games. And also just like, you know, I, I want to run around and talk to people and stab other people. Like that's kind of always my, it's the draw of these games to me. I don't really want to sit down at a table, go to another interface, shuffle through some cards, put the cards on the table. And then to Chris's point, like, some of these games can be longer. So it's like, yeah, I'd commit all that time just to playing a card game without the like sort of, I think, more ingrained dopamine hit in these games of like, do a thing, encounter a story moment, do a thing. Like that's that's how they pull you along. And the card game element feels like it grinds that to a halt. Mm. This um, happened to me with I was uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 where I got really into the dominoes. And like I eventually like, I, I had spent so long just messing around that i have no idea what was supposed to happen and then i stopped playing it and like every so often i remember it like i've been watching deadwood for the first time and i'm like i'm gonna play red dead redemption 2 but like, there's no way i'm gonna have to start again i have no idea what's happening but it's like mm-hmm. I, it was you know who knows how many hours and it's just like ah this yeah, is just, like it's over you know you're like red dead redemption 2 was a game about a cowboy who loved to play cards yeah like i don't know <laughs> so i feel bad nothing that else I, going you know, on but he got really good at cards. Yeah, I wish I had just, yeah, I wish I had just stayed the course. I, I, you know, that, that does count in my head, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, because, like, contextually, like, the, the game about... It doesn't nod about that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it adds, it's additive to the world instead of just putting a card oh, game definitely. in there. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it adds to, like, the, like, you know, shooting a guy at a card game part of it, you know? And yeah. uh, in, ways, in ways that aren't just, like, I mean, they're not going to make a weird version of poker, although that would have been cool, too. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I will say that like 
I do not at all begrudge games for having in-game card games. Um, I think that oftentimes they add to like the sense of place that a world has. That like, yeah, you know, human beings, no matter what the setting, will want to entertain themselves. And especially in these settings that aren't like not technologically advanced, card games make a lot of sense. So like, I, I get the appeal. And again, like I, I like Queen's Blood a lot. I'm going to play all the Queen's Blood missions and all the optional battles in this game because it's a fun, well-designed game. Um, will I do that in other games that come out in the future? Probably not. But in this case, they lured me in with, you know, the fact that like a side quest that would improve my relationship with Tifa uh, was based around Queen's Blood. And I was like, well, I guess there's no going back. I just like, I love when there's like a totally optional minigame. Like, I think that the minigame, minigame fatigue becomes really bad when it's something you have to do to progress. Like, mm -hmm. I will say the mechanic by which you get chocobos in this game is sort of interesting but also like i've done it twice now and it gets a little tiresome yeah it's also just like you know i mean i guess i understand why they're like oh you've moved between regions so your chocobo couldn't follow you or whatever yeah but like i don't know that kind of just feels like a thing you should have in perpetuity especially in these like massive open areas like, i will say it just to, give me the chocobo to anyone playing this just keep going don't do the uh the mission just go get a chocobo that do when you when you get to the open world Dude, that is the first thing you should do every single time. Get a chocobo. Don't pay attention to that other shit. Just go to chocobo land because that will make it easier to get around. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Are there okay? This this one is from uh, PJ. Um, are there any games slash conventions that are no longer around that you guys miss? Or sorry, I misread that. Any anime slash games conventions that are no longer around oh, that you guys miss? Oh, I thought you meant like yeah. like things that are done. No, no, no. Like conventions. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's confusing. There was this um this lovely little thing at uh, the NYU Game Center called Different Games back in two thousand mumbles time, and I really liked that. <laughs> I mean, I just liked it because I was local and it was my friends, and I got to talk at it a couple of times. But it was just a, a small conference, and yeah. And I don't think that they still run. Um, I think just people moved away and time moved forward. But yeah, they really enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel like. The, the ones that I miss are ones that still exist. Like, I, I haven't been yeah. to MAGFest in a long time. I want to go back to that. You know, I haven't been to QuakeCon in a long time. That was, like, mm. the convention I went to a lot when I was younger because I grew up in Texas, in Dallas. So it was a hop, skip, and a jump away. Um, and it was very different than, like, other video game conventions because it was just, like, you know, took place in a hotel, like many of them. But it was just, like, a giant place where people had their own PC set up, the, the BYOC, bring your own computer. Oh gosh. And it was just like a, you know, 48 or 72 hour land party. And like, I wasn't even there for that part, but I enjoyed the spectacle of wandering that area and looking at people's ridiculous PC builds. Um, just because they decorate them, they'd have all their clans there. So they'd have like flags and stuff like that. Like people would go all out for this just to functionally pick up their PC out of their bedroom and lug it into another big hangar area <laughs> and sit down and do what they would have been doing anyway. But yeah, I, I just always enjoyed the tradition of attending that and also listening to John Carmack give a very long talk about nothing. Um, God, he's so good at it. He's I, incredible at it. I told this like, story before, but one time uh, I had to video interview him with Stephen uh, and Stephen asked, and we weren't un terribly well prepared, so I just had to use camera mic. He just like, I was like turning on the camera and I just pressed play because I didn't have the time to mic him up. And Stephen made the mistake of asking him a single question. <laughs> and then the answer was tw like 23 minutes long yep. and interesting because it was him talking about VR. And then we uploaded that to the proprietary website, 
player at the time. And then somebody ripped that and put it on YouTube, which it made me mad because I would have done that. Uh, but then the YouTube link got cited in the ZeniMax lawsuit. <laughs> cool. Which is very a very funny thing to be like, Your Honor. Uh, According to I YouTube. I, I point to to this rip, <laughs> this YouTube rip of somebody's proprietary video video player. I'm not mad at the person for doing it. It's just funny that legally a rip of your when legally a rip of your video is <laughs> is it like enters into the public record. <laughs> I guess my my answer my answer to that is like I don't have specific like conventions. I just think there's sort of the Heraclitus thing of you can't step into the same river twice. You know, I will never be in a situation where I can where I like lug a LAN computer around because technology has improved uh, or at least, you know, advanced and has made those things not palpable in the same way or necessary. Um, I went to computer camp a bunch uh, a couple times, like a summer camp for, for nerds and like <laughs> the experience of being in a room full of people all playing like multiplayer Duke Nukem, which is itself a very strange thing on like CRTs and shit is like toxic and, and beautiful. But it's also like, I don't know, I got better games. We can, we don't have to do that. But like, I, you know, even if we did recreate that, it would never be the same. Right. All right. Next question is catnip for Chris. So what is a movie that you don't think many people have seen that you recommend? Well, funny, you should mention that. <laughs> uh, because um, I was going to blog about this. I didn't get a chance to because I got a bunch of stuff to do, uh, but I might anyway. Um, the group uh, Kineco Video just put out a rip of a movie called Sweet Home. If you don't know what Sweet Home is, it was a movie directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa and produced by... Juzo Itami, who you may know from Tampopo and uh, various other movies. Anyway, Juzo Itami produced it. His wife's in it because uh, he's in everything. He's in it as well. They had kind of a Toby Hooper, like Steven Spielberg relationship with each other in the sense that like there was a movie that Kiyoshi Kurosawa wanted to make. There was a movie that he wanted to make. And, you know, he didn't get final edit on it. So he's kind of like said, like, it's done. I don't like this movie anymore. It's a great monster movie, but it was also had a video game tie in for the for the Famicom that basically is responsible for Resident Evil existing. And as a result is sort of the film that you don't have survival horror the same way without. Like it is this very strange movie that will never get re-released that only came out on Japanese Laserdisc. And so, uh, uh, my girlfriend for, for Christmas got me the laser disc of sweet home, which she got for like 150 bucks on Mercari Japan, which was a steal. And, uh, I transferred it and said, Hey guys, I'm going to put this on archive.org or something like that. And then I got DM'd by, uh, the people at Kineco who are like, we're doing this too. So we all combined our, our various rips together. And now you, because of them, you can watch it on YouTube and I helped. So go watch that movie. It's on YouTube. It's in really good quality because the quality that it was in before was fucking atrocious. And <laughs> it's a weirdly lopsided movie, but it's it's one of those things where when you actually see a good transfer of this movie, you're like, I think this is a better movie than I thought it was. Um, also, the guy who did the makeup is the godfather of fucking makeup, which is to say he did the makeup for the godfather and also <laughs> for like the exorcist, like Reagan's makeup. Like, if you look up monster makeup, he wrote the book on, like, how to make do shit with spirit gum. So the monster stuff in this movie 
fucking rules. If you only watch one part of this movie, watch all the cool, creepy monster shit, which is kind of at the end. It's phenomenal. Yeah, go look up Sweet Home on YouTube. Uh, Kinico video. I helped. <laughs> Legally, I did not help. <laughs> it's always interesting to me when there's that much like uh, shared DNA between like the progenitor of something and like things that come afterward. Like that that same movie is responsible for both like in an indirect way Resident Evil and also like the way that people do monster movie makeup is like wild, right? Or, or no, the guy, the guy, the guy was who worked on it. Like the American guy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But also right. like Kiyoshi, but, but also Kiyoshi Kurosawa, like I think my understanding and, and correct me if I'm wrong, people, uh, not just in general, is that he kind of like before Pulse and Cure, which are two perfect movies, like two of the best horror movies ever made. Uh, he kind of like doesn't like his career before then or he's like this is when my career as like an artist starts or like these are the ones I want to remember so he kind of has no interest in like transferring or maintaining or forcibly re-releasing the movie he has bad memories with it you know what I mean and so like uh or a bad relationship with it and so yeah like go like also watch Kyoshi Kurosawa's movies like they're all really good if you've never seen either Pulse or Cure they're two of the best horror movies ever made like Bong Joon-ho's favorite movie is Cure and like the reason why it is is like you're like oh yeah of course this is your whole thing <laughs> um let's see Riley do you have one uh I don't know I have recently been remembering the movie Oscar and Lucinda which was a Ray Fiennes and introducing mm. Kate Blanchett I think movie from the early late the late nineties, which is which is based on a book that's one of my favorite books that for some reason I keep thinking about lately, um, which is about religion basically. So I so I would, um, but I I, don't, I think people have probably seen it. I don't really know. Um, I feel like I used to watch a lot of movies and I don't I don't want to sound like oh, I don't watch movies, but like they no longer kind of exist in my brain as like a an object that I know a lot about anymore, sort of. Oh, I guess I could say yeah. um, there was this documentary a few years ago, which is on Netflix now, called Disclosure, which is about trans people in media, which, full disclosure, A, was made by a friend of mine, but um, hmm. that's a pretty good movie. Um, I think a lot of those kinds of things can just be like, now there's more representation and it's good. And so it sort of really digs into and, and problematizes a lot of how those things have happened. And so that's a good movie. I'll say that one. You also watch it. Learned a lot. 2020, 2021. I don't know. It's on, it is or it was at least on, on Netflix, um, which is nice. But. Oh, nice. Yeah, let's see. I, I'm sort of similar in that like, I don't watch that many movies. And also I never have. I mean, I, I've mostly watched like, you know, stuff that comes out and gets big. Anything else that I watch that is more obscure is mostly garbage um, <laughs> yeah. or anime. And so I'm like, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, but that's like a mainstream anime movie. A lot of people have seen that. Um, I was thinking about the uh, the the like underworld series of monster action horror movies. They're terrible, um, but I enjoy them. So maybe that they they spin way out of control by like later entries. But the first one is legitimately kind of almost good. So maybe something like that. Um, anyway, um, I think that's all of the questions that we received this week. And so with that, I'm going to draw this episode to a close. Uh, thank you to everybody who watched and listened. We'll be back another episode, same time next week. But until then, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.